difficulty. Oh, there we go. Now we're live. Uh, we're at, we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but that's okay. Guys, everybody is doing social media, but are you doing it right? And that's what we're going to be talking about today with my friend Jordan. We're going to be talking about podcasting. We're going to be talking about business, even how to start a business from the ground up, which he's done a couple times. So guys, it's going to be a great episode. But first, I want to say thank you guys so much. We are now ranked in the top 1% of podcasts in the world. And we today is our 400th episode. So I just want to awesome, say thank man. you, guys. Congratulations for that. Thank you, Jordan, uh, for hopping on and hanging out. And because we are, uh, we're celebrating, we're actually giving away our brand new pre-workout coffee, high-velocity coffee, vertical momentum coffee. So if you, if you, want, if you want it, you guys have to enter your name, and I'll leave it in the, in the comments. Um, and it's just a thirty-dollar bag, twenty servings. You can't go to um, Starbucks and get two and two drinks for for that kind of money. But and I also want to thank our our new sponsor, brand new sponsor, Maxwell Soaps. If you're like me, a diabetic, and you have diabetic itchy skin, all their um, soaps have no detergents. So if you have um, very sensitive skin, definitely check them out. But what they also do is for every bar that they sell, they give one away to the homeless population in Los Angeles, California, to help clean up the city. So I just want to give a big shout out to Maxwell's. So, Jordan, my brother, what's going on? How are you and how's your day going? Oh, man, the day is going well. I know we talked a little bit, Richard, offline, and I'd share that my dad, you know, was just in town. And, and I know you recently lost your dad. So, you know, I want to give you my condolences for that. It's losing a parent. I lost my mom a decade ago next month. And uh, it's never easy, right? It's never easy when we think about the people that help shape and help help mold us. So I hope your family's doing well with that. And, you know, getting to spend time with my dad, you know, there's a lot of things that come that you come to uh, realization when you get to see your parents, you know, it's been a few years since I've seen my dad with the pandemic happening and things going on with his business. Uh, and, and frankly, the pandemic has had him afraid. Like a lot of people maybe watching this, maybe you've been afraid to go out in public. Maybe you've been afraid to go and explore the world. And so I just had to have this kind of really like, you know, man to man talk with my dad. And I said, dad, like you're not getting any younger. Like you have five grandkids here. Uh, get on a plane. Millions of people do it every day. I'm buying your ticket. When are you coming? You know, I had to literally get him to come. And man, when I tell you it was the most powerful weekend, because I feel like we had some reconciliation that, that happened. We had some, you know, years of maybe trauma that I was actually able to give my dad advice. And I never thought I'd be in a position of that uh, for that. And I remember my dad said something so powerful to me, uh, Richard. And he said, you know what? I never thought you'd have the success you have when you didn't go to college. And how many parents out there, and if you're a parent and you're watching this, I hope this resonates. How many of you out there have that same thought? Like my kid is not going to be successful if they don't go to college. If that's you, I want to change your perspective today because college isn't the end all be all. I would, I would probably challenge that maybe 60% of people that go probably shouldn't go because they're going because someone told them to go and not because it's something that makes them happy. And so if that's you, if you're watching this today and you're like, you know what, maybe maybe my perspective has been skewed a little bit towards what society said, maybe take a step back and see, you know, what do your kids want to do? What are their strengths? What are their passions? What actually makes them happy? Because at the end of the day, I want happiness for my kids. I don't want, you know, a piece of paper that 
I forced them to get because it's what society said that they should have. I love that. And, you know, and Bill Gates, you know, he quotes himself a lot. He's people ask him all the time, well, are you a college graduate? He says, no, but my accountant is. So I rather hire people that have degrees than actually have one. And I think we definitely should definitely in, in today's today talk more about entrepreneurship than sure. should be talking because, you know, when I was growing up, you know, like my dad, um, he worked for 30 years for a company, got a watch and got a retirement. That's yeah. no longer the way of the world anymore. Yeah. This right here, what we're looking at, this screen, that's the new way of the world. So yep. you know, talk to us a little bit about where you come from, yep. where you grew up. Now, your dad said he was in business. So was he an entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, it's interesting, you know, back to this weekend, right? There's so much value in when we can have conversations with people that have been around longer than us. And so, um, you know, my dad was actually in my yard teaching my 17 year old how to cut bushes, you know, like taking his pruner. He's, he owns a landscaping company in Maryland. He's had it for 40 years. You think he knows a two, a thing or two about cutting bushes. So he's literally with my son for about an hour and, you know, I'm hearing him have this conversation and he mentioned something that I didn't even know that I didn't know that my grandfather was a blacksmith. He actually helped people in the Philippines in villages make machetes, like make the molds and then hammer them out and then actually sharpen them. And he was a teacher. He taught people how to do that. And so, you know, my grandfather was a blacksmith. My my father owns a landscaping business and I'm, I'm involved in a couple of businesses and and so, man, how cool would it be to have a fourth generation, you know, entrepreneur in my son or, you know, one of the other four that we have, that would be so cool to be able to have. And so that's really kind of a little bit about dad. You know, he grew up in the Philippines. I actually didn't meet him until I was 12 years old. You know, so our relationship, you know, started a little later in life. And, and again, you know, I like to tell this story to people because I could have been uh, completely different about this. I could have said when my mom asked me, Hey, do you want to meet your dad? He lives in Washington, DC. I could have been like, screw that guy. Like, what is that guy? Why would I want to go meet that guy? But something in me said, you know what? I bet he's got a story. I bet he has some knowledge to share with me. And that's part of my heritage. That's part of culture. Like he looks similar to what the way that I do, you know, like I need to know that side of my family. So at 12, I flew out there to DC from Portland, Oregon to, to meet my dad for the first time. And that's really where our relationship started. But my mom, man, incredible woman, like I said, you know, lost her a decade ago next month. Um, the hardest loss that I've ever experienced in my life. It was about six months of a, kind of a downward spiral in a fog. But man, this woman taught me so much, Richard. She taught me how to be kind, how to have a sense of humor, how to be positive, no matter what your circumstances are. She was born in 1958, folks, with one lung. Okay. And when that happened in the 50s, the doctors basically told my grandmother, they said, listen, uh, she's probably not going to live to 18. Uh, she's definitely not going to be able to have any kids. Uh, and you know, this is kind of, here you go, here's your baby. And you know, my mom looked at it and, and said kind of challenge accepted, you know, she, uh, ended up having five boys, you know, our youngest brother just turned uh, 21 on Saturday, had him when she was 40 years old, you know? So just in hearing her story, it's like, you wouldn't live to 18, check that one off the box. Wouldn't have any kids. She ends up having five boys and she lived to 54 years old. So she took that, you know, hand of cards she was dealt and she's like, forget this. I'm going to make my own deck of cards out of life. And she taught me how to look through the positive lens, you know, how to 
have a, a sense of empathy for people and how to be kind and have that sense of humor. So, man, when I think about everything my mom gave me and the example that she showed me, even though we were poor, even though we had a lot of adversities and challenges. And then I look at my dad, who was a hard worker, started working in the rice fields at seven years old and now has had a, a landscaping business for 40 years. Man, I, I, I take you know some of the good things from them. I apply those to my life and, and man, good things start to happen when you can take positive experiences from examples uh, and turn them into positive things. Now, my, my mom was a nurse for over now. She's she's just 77 years old. She hasn't been a nurse for 50 years. And I never met a Filipino until I met all her nurses that she works with. Yep. And um, I love paella. I'm hooked. Yep. <laughs> it's one of my guilty pleasures. But um, any I've never met a person from the Philippines that did not have a strong family, you know, matriarch, patriarch, and a strong work ethic. Yeah. And I think today's, you know, the world that we live in, I think you can get more, by, you can be more successful, you know, like my friend Gary V always talks about how the work ethic, if you have a strong work ethic, you know, you can beat 80% of the people. Sure. You know, so and I'm sure that was something that they really instilled in you and your brothers was a work ethic, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, my dad, man, I can remember the my first time going to D.C., right? Like this is this is a big deal. This is flying from the West Coast to the East Coast. So you have that challenge in itself. Now I'm meeting this side of my family that I don't know anything about. That's kind of challenge number two. And now I've got to figure out how to live with these guys for a couple months during the summer. So I had a lot of firsts that I was going into at 12 years old, but I learned really quick um, exactly what you said, Richard. My dad was a hard worker. He was up early. He was up at about 6 a.m. He would make his coffee. He would eat his breakfast. He would put on his boots and then he'd be out the door. And he was out, whether it was our yard he was working in or a neighbor's or in people in Maryland or Virginia, he was very meticulous about making sure he did the best job. So when we left a yard, you couldn't see a single stick. It looks like no one was there. Like we blow off the patios. Like so his attention to detail, but also his work ethic. I mean, that was instilled uh, to me really early on. And and let me tell you, folks, I don't know if, if anyone watching or listening has ever done landscaping for 12 hours a day like I had to do it's not easy, you know, and, and you're learning several lessons. And also if you're an extrovert, like I am, meaning I get my energy from being around human beings, just imagine not being able to speak to a human for 12 hours because you got 35 yards to cut and a crew to manage of people. So man, I learned a lot of lessons by doing landscaping from about 12 to 22 during the summers and even a longer stint, uh, after our first child was born when he really needed help in his business. So now, when did, did you start saying, okay, I've learned the lessons from my, you know, because sometimes we learn lessons from our parents, yep. but we kind of don't, we kind of forget that, you know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can sure. see the mistakes that they made, so yep. we don't have to make the same mistakes. Yeah. But when you first started in the entrepreneurial space, did you learn the good from your dad and also what not to do as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I mean, you definitely you definitely learn the what not to do. And, and, you know, I'll be open and transparent. I was just talking to my son about this the other day. I was like, son, like your grandpa's had a business 40 years. 
Uh, he, he only has the same business card he ever printed that says his name on it and a phone number. I said, good business decision or bad? He goes, bad. I said, why? He said, because there's no website. Like he has no presence, you know, he, and I was like, so he got it right away. And then I said, all right, let me tell you the next thing. He still to this day sends people invoices once a month that he hand writes. I said, good this business decision or bad? He said, bad. I said, yeah, because now there's software that you can use that takes that process off of your plate so that you can automate it. And so there's not a human having to do that process. And so like literally in real time, literally this morning, Richard, I was able to extract some of those lessons and have my son even see where he went wrong. And he's got one year until he's about to retire. And so what it what it means is that it means you can still have a successful business, but it also means you missed out on a lot of potential clients and opportunities and growth because you didn't know what you didn't know. And that's what I run into all the time, Richard. I run into a lot of people that are business owners. I run into a lot of people that have so many things in place, but they're missing one ingredient here or they're missing an ingredient there. And they don't know how close they are to really making a major impact. You know, and I, and I love it. And, you know, one thing I love about you, since I knew you were going to come on the show, um, I've been stalking you. I've been reading everything. <laughs> I've mostly listened to So if your podcast numbers have gone up, I've probably listened <laughs> to every episode. Hey, I appreciate um, that. I appreciate but, it. But, you know, one thing that really touched me this morning, and you don't really have to go into it, but the, um, the post you did on LinkedIn about, you know, getting beat up as a little boy and, you know, how some people make mistakes in life. So, and, and I think a lot of people, they go into business, um, they may fail at business, but then they quit, you know, yeah. and they don't realize that, you know, failure is an event. It's not a person. Yeah. So you want to go into what you talked about today? Yeah, Talk no, I'd love to share. Yeah. So, you know, being growing up poor, it meant we moved a lot, you know, and I don't know, looking back, I'm sure we could speculate, Richard, it could have been, we got evicted. Maybe we needed to up, size because there was another kid coming like i have no context into what the situation was i just knew, know that between you know birth to 14 we moved probably 14 times so it was a bunch and and so on the positive end now change is easy for me right because i experienced a lot of it as a kid so that's one cool thing that happened out of it but from uh, the negative end this, there's one situation where we actually moved two towns away and to me, it wasn't a big deal. You know, I grew up in a, a metropolitan area that had great public transportation in Portland, Oregon, great bus systems, great light rail systems. So my mom was pretty confident that if she went with me on this route, that I would be able to take these two buses to get to my middle school because I literally begged her. I was like, I grew up, even though we moved a bunch, we always stayed in the same school district. So I was able to go to the elementary and the middle school with my friends up through seventh grade up through sixth grade and we were moving the summer of seventh grade. And so I said, mom, please, I want to finish the year there. Like these are my friends. I know them. So she agreed to it. And so my bus route went like this. I would get a bus in front of our apartments. I would take that bus. It'd be about 20, 25 minutes. It stopped in front of a Seven Eleven convenience store. And so my mom went with me on this route. She met the lady Rosa that worked there and she knew exactly the system that I was going to be putting myself through to get to school each day. And so but one day, a day just like any other, I was playing Mortal Kombat 2 like I did. I brought 50 cents with me, put a couple quarters in. I would play Mortal Kombat 2 until Rosa would be like, hey, the bus is out there. And then I would go out on the bus. And so one day I'm playing the game and I hear the, the bells behind me ring and a male voice yelled, hey, Daniel. 
and I uh, like, you know, kind of stopped for a second, but I was like, well, I'm not Daniel. Let me just keep playing. So I play the game and within about a minute, Richard, I was, my body was lifted uh, next to Mortal Kombat two. There was a Terminator two pinball game. And back then the trigger was what you squeezed. And mm -hmm. so there was an actual metal gun. I was thrown against that. My ribs hit it. I was punched several times, thrown on the ground and handcuffed and thrown in the back of a cop car. And I remember the lady was literally yelling at the cop. She's like, I know this kid. He's here every day. They're like, shut up. We're going to arrest you. I mean, they were yelling at her. And my only saving grace, folks, was, you know, and I wasn't a great student. I'm not even going to front and say that I was the best student. But I knew the night before I did my homework. And so I begged. I was like handcuffed, you know hurting and the crying in the back of this cop car. And I said to the officer, I said, sir, if you'd please look in my jacket, I know I did my homework. It'll prove to you. My name is Jordan Mendoza. I'm not Daniel. And ma'am, I tell you when he, you know, reached in that pocket, he grabbed, you know, this folded up piece of paper and it said, Jordan Mendoza and Richard, he looked like he saw a dang ghost. Cause he knew right then that he screwed up. And, and when I tell you, I mean, this thing could have been drawn out. I mean, we're talking about the city, of Portland. This is the city that made this mistake, but I, you know, learned enough lessons from seeing my mom go through what she did. I got to see a grandmother get dementia and cancer and, and felt that pain for her. And so I just knew even at 12, I had the self-awareness to understand that these folks made mistakes, right? We all do. We all make these mistakes. They shouldn't have jobs as police officers if they're going to take this excessively. And so I wanted them to lose their jobs. And and that's exactly what happened. And I went on with my life. OK, like I said, so I, obviously I'm following you. So I just want to make sure, you know, that I'm yeah. supporting everything that you do. I appreciate that. 100 percent. Now. So what were some of the jobs or careers that you started? You said you started a couple businesses. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, man, is it, so I've always been, you know, you know, had the gift of gab, as they say, I've always been able to have conversations with people. And I think that all stemmed from being a kid. And of course, as a kid, your parents, you know, try to, our mom tried to get us involved in all kinds of sports. I was playing soccer. I was playing baseball for about 12 years. And one thing I noticed about myself, Richard, is that I actually enjoyed fundraising more than playing the sport. You know, I enjoyed getting the candy bars and the beef jerky and going door to door and selling that stuff. I like I felt like there was something there, like I could, you know, impact a conversation with people. And so as a yeah, you know, so I always kind of known that about myself. And so in eighth grade, my very first job was uh, going door to door to sell newspaper subscriptions. Right. And so door to door was easy for me. I had already done this as a kid doing fundraising. So I was like, wow, this is cool. I get to make money doing this. And they fed us Burger King. It was it was awesome. We'd go and talk to 100 people a day. And I tell you, man, like that sets the foundation, Richard, for everything that I know today, because if you can go out and knock on 100 doors a day, 90 people are going to tell you no more than likely. You may get 10 yeses, but the lessons that you get from developing that tough skin, the lessons that you learn from how to read people's facial expressions, how to use your environment to spark a conversation, man, there's, there's no more powerful thing than you can do than what I did. And so by the age of 22, you fast forward into a number of jobs. I've heard over 200,000 no's before I turned 22 years old. And so today I know is like, really, that's easy. And, you know, I just keep going. And so when you can get to that level of confidence, when no just means next opportunity, it doesn't mean the end all be all, man, your perspective will really change. You know, and, and I love it. And for me, I'm, I love sales. I love 
talking to people. I love, you know, watching people's expressions. I like, so like for me, I took the three hardest jobs. I sold um, cemetery plots. You talk about a lot of those. Uh, I sold door to door and then I sold timeshares for years. And, you know, I've taken, like you said, hundreds of thousands of those. And, but sometimes, you know, you have to learn how to read people, which is, I love poker. I'm yeah. a big guy. You have to learn to watch people. Like there, there was the older guy and I told us to tell the story. He was crushing it every day, crushing it. He's like 70 and he was like getting like eight sales a day in timeshare. I'm like, all right, you got to tell me how you do it. And he's like, well, before I get here, I get here an hour early. He says, I read two, a couple of newspapers every day. And he said, when I get up to go get that person a cup of coffee, I'm going to touch their shoulder. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? He's like, if I, I'm, they let me touch their shoulder, that means they are letting me into their safe space. They'll be up, they're more than willing to listen. And I think a lot of salespeople, they talk way more than they listen. Yeah. Right. So now talk to us because, you know, getting those first couple of no's when you're knocking on doors and then you kind of get into the mood and you kind of get into the groove. But I think one thing I learned from knocking on doors is don't ever think that the person is not going to buy because the person that doesn't look like they can afford it is the one that's actually going to buy. Yeah, no, that's a, such a great point. Give us a little bit of sales 101. Yeah, no, I'd love to. And and for anyone watching this, you know, grab a notepad. I'd love to share some practical advice with you today because I think, you know, what you're saying is, is brilliant. It's all about your attitude. You know, it's about your mindset. It's about your attitude. If you can have a positive mental attitude, okay, and this is an acronym, PMA, all right, equals OPM. And what that stands for, folks, is a positive mental attitude equals other people's money. Right, Richard? If you have a positive attitude, people are going to want to work with you. If you had a grumpy attitude, guess what? People are going to not want to work with you. It's almost that simple uh, from a contextual standpoint. But people feed off of your energy. Right. When you go and you and you're speaking with another person, if you are not excited about your product and service, why in the heck should they be? So here's three other tips. Got to have a smile. Right. You got to be smiling at your prospects. You've got to maintain eye contact. And when I say maintain it, I don't mean creep them out and look into their soul, but it's about an 80 percent thing where I'm looking. I may be writing down, so I need to look away, but I'm maintaining that eye contact so they know that I'm listening. And the final thing is relate, like figure out how do I relate to this person? Is there something that they're wearing? Is there something I can see that I'm able to relate to them? And finally, if you don't have that enthusiasm, if you're not, again, excited, why should they be? And, you know, like my friend JLD, John Lee Dumas, um, when I had him on the show, we were talking, he's like, you have to know your customer. You know, like I knew when I was selling the timeshare that if, if I have a a Filipino couple sitting in front of me, number one, they're going to be very analytical. Um, number two is they're pretty much not going to use credit. They don't use credit cards much. So it's going to be a cash deal. But once you realize who you have in front of you, it's yep. a lot easier. And I think a, a lot of salespeople or even podcasters have no idea who their ideal avatar is. Sure. Just say, well, I'm going to start a show and everybody's going to listen 
And, you know, like I was taught in the military, it's always better to be a sniper than it is to pray and spray. You know, what is what has been your, you know, because like even like JLD said, sometimes you have to go an inch wide, but you got to go a mile deep. Yeah. Your perfect avatar or else, you know, I think it was a Jim Rohn that said it. If you're selling to everybody, you're selling to nobody. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, and that's something that is going to tweak over time. You know, I think for people, I think so many people get caught up in trying to make it perfect the first time that they get so paralyzed and then nothing happens. You know, we, we hear about that term, you know, analysis paralysis, but it is a, it is truly a real thing. And I remember, and I'd love to share this with you because I think this would be helpful for anyone that maybe, maybe you've got the idea. Maybe you want to start that podcast. Um, you know, I'm going to tell you my first podcast, Richard failed. It had two episodes and probably no one's ever heard them. And the reason why it failed is I didn't have clarity. I didn't know why I was doing it. So that's the first thing I would recommend. If you want to start a show, get clarity, like understand your why, what's the end goal that you want to accomplish by putting out this content, like, you know, and that's going to help you determine who you actually are going to want to serve and help you be able to, to, uh, niche down to serve that particular audience. Um, in, on my second attempt, I knew why I was calling it blaze your own trail. I knew that I wanted to tie in my hometown team of the trailblazers into have a dual meaning for the show. I knew I wanted to interview people and learn about their, their journeys, not successes, but everything that got them to success. And I knew I wanted to impact people in a positive way. So once I had those things dialed in, uh, the rest was actually easy after that. And, you know, like you were talking about um, paralysis of analysis. And a lot of people want to start shows, but you're like, I got to have the perfect camera. I got to have the perfect mic. And, you know, if you, if you go back to like Gary's first video videos that had like 10 million views, it was with a flip cam at a yard sale. Yeah. You know, so it goes to show you that you don't have to have the best mic or the best camera as long as you have the best content that you could possibly put out. So yeah. talk to us for a person that's wanting to start a podcast. You know, a lot of people say, well, there's so there's 2 million podcasts out there, yeah. but only 50% are active. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's you the thing to think about. episode 13. You're like in the top 10%. That's it. Yeah. So I, I would say if you want to do it, be committed to maybe a goal. Maybe your goal is you want to release a hundred episodes, right? So maybe set that as your goal. And that way you're not concerned about episode one through 30, you know, because I think what happens is people get so caught up to making each episode perfect again, that they don't actually put the content out to your point, Richard, where there's only uh, people creating 13 episodes and then you don't hear from them again. Um, and so getting it out, is what I recommend. And then sharing it, making sure that you just don't feel like people should be able to find it, go out and put it out to as many places as you can. And I think that's something that people undervalue as well. They're like, well, my host is Anchor or Spotify and it, and it gets sent out to these eight places. I'm good. And they kind of stop there. Well, you'll tell everybody just like I will. That's not that's not going to fly. Like if you're, if you're about impact, if you're about reach, if you're about 
you know, trying to get your message out there, you've got to make sure you're part of the private syndications and the directories. And you've got to have a strategy where you're taking your long form content and you're turning that into short form content so that you can distribute it across multiple platforms, because that's truly where you're going to get the best feedback. It's where you're going to experience the most growth. And then you're also going to be able to truly know where your audience is and who they are. You know, and I, and I, I love that because, you know, I, I hear it all the time because I help people get their podcast started. And they're like, yeah, I just put it on Anchor and they got it on Stitch on a couple of different ones. But I'm like, but where else are you? Because I'm yep. learning, you know, and obviously this is what I want you to teach that us that, yep. you know, with social media, that if you're not everywhere, yep. you're nowhere. Sure. You know, if, yeah. you're, if you're sleeping on LinkedIn, you're losing. If you're sleeping on TikTok, you're losing, you know, because I see I thought I was doing good with like twenty five thousand connections on on LinkedIn and you got like 60. So I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> so talk to us about people that are sleeping on these different social media platforms yeah. as LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it really boils down to two things. It's you don't know what you don't know, and you might be afraid to put your message out there. You know, I think those are really the two things that stop creators. And the reason why I know that is that was me. That was me in 2019. Before I got active on LinkedIn, I started kind of watching and consuming content and then thinking to myself, who the heck is going to listen to Jordan Mendoza? Who's going to want to listen to what I have to say? And, and that's called, you know, limiting beliefs. And I think, you know, as human beings, we all deal with those. Like if you would have saw me in 2019, any video, you'd been like, man, this guy's a rookie. He doesn't know what he's doing. But now I love to watch those videos because it shows me how far that I've come. I used to hate getting in front of the camera. I used to hate you know, doing these types of interviews. And I thought I looked awkward and I thought I sounded bad. But now, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. you get to go and look at the fruit that those beginning pieces of content have created. And so if I was going to give anyone practical advice, let's just take LinkedIn. Is that is that fair? We just start with that platform. Yeah, that's uh, If I'm going to give you kind of like the the playbook of what you need to do Right now, if you're not active on the platform, uh, it is to optimize your profile. And I'd love to kind of give some practical tips in the strategy that I'm helping my clients with. It's part of my 12-week program, and I can just kind of rattle this off. So uh, if you're watching, folks, uh, grab a notepad real quick. Give you about three seconds or grab your notes on your phone and write this stuff down because if you apply these things, you will see positive changes. It's, it's not a question. It's It's... A matter of fact, because we're doing this consistently with our clients. Okay. So the first thing you want to do is you want to look at your headline uh, image, right? That's that big banner image on your profile. You want to really evaluate that. And, and for one, see, have I uploaded a new image, right? Because LinkedIn will provide you with a greenish blue background. So if it's still greenish and blue, that means you haven't uploaded a custom banner image. So that's the first thing I would do is think about what do I want this banner or more importantly, let's talk about what it actually is. It's a billboard. And as you know, Richard, we drive by billboards all the time. What do we know about billboards? Well, they get attention and they're not cheap. So everyone on LinkedIn, if you are watching or you're listening to this or seeing the replay, you've got a free billboard. LinkedIn does not charge you for that real estate. And you can showcase who you are, what you do, and what you want people to do when they find you on that billboard. 
All right. So that's really step one. The second step that I would say is look at your actual picture. If your picture has you in a suit from 2017, ditch that picture and put a picture of what you look like today. No one cares about what you look like in college or what, you know, when you're wearing that suit in corporate, like, look, this is what I'm wearing today. Like, you know what I'm saying? This is what Richard's wearing. That is who we are. If Richard shows up in a suit and be like, bro, if you wearing a suit to work, come on, like take that yeah. janky picture down and put up the real you. Yeah. Like we want to see you on LinkedIn because at the end of the day, when you take the offline, the online offline, like we've done, Richard, where we are now face to face, who are they going to see? Yeah. Are they going to see the suit guy or are they going to nope. see this guy with the T-shirt on? They're going to see this because this is how I really am. And so LinkedIn, you're dealing with humans, folks. There's a person on the end of every profile on the platform. So you got to really think about that. All right. So the third thing, right, we've talked about the banner image. We've talked about your actual picture that some of you guys watching, you're probably laughing. You're like, I need to update mine. It's got me in a suit. You know, that's fine. Go update it. The third thing you want to tackle is your headline text. All right, this is a massive opportunity where you get to share. And Richard, if you're looking at mine, it says, I help service providers build authority and monetize social media. So I start with a service statement because when people search for social media or social media help, I want to be found in those search results. Does that make sense? Yeah. The second thing that I do is I put in a bunch of keywords that I want to be found for in the SEO as well. So things like podcast hosts, coach, you might see MBTI certified practitioner. I may put featured in Yahoo. So people know that I'm, I have some credibility. And then I even do a call to action, like follow me for daily positive content, because I want to tell people what to do next. Does that make sense? Oh, it, it makes All sense. Right. You know, um, and then, and then you're right. Cause I got, I'm not done yet. I got, I've got more here. I want to give these guys the playbook. Oh, so, right. So the next thing you want to do is dive into the ever so elusive about summary. Okay. And the reason why I say ever so elusive is we're hiding folks. Like we are hiding as humans behind our accolades. We're hiding behind our resume and we're literally taking our resume and we're pasting it on LinkedIn. How much value does that add to the person that wants to know about you? It adds zero value. So what I teach is tell a story, take people back. Share some of the things that I've shared with you today about my upbringing, about the people that have influenced me and about where I've been. Because if you see where I've been, you can start to realize that I can help you get to where you want to go. But without that context and without a human connection, people are just going to keep scrolling. And so the more you can tell your story and tell people who you are, not just what you are based on the certificates and accolades, the, the easier business gets, folks, when you can create an emotional relevance with people, business is easy. And so that's what I would challenge you to do is look at your about summary. Does this read like a resume or does this tell a story about who I am and add value to each reader so that they want to check out my content next? And I love it, you know, because I always say that, you know, stories will will sell, you know, facts, facts tell the story sell. 100%. And but now also now, like I said, I'm just really tripling down on on my LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I think I'm there more than I am any any other platform. But I also talk about don't be that guy that just, hey, bro, I see that you're on LinkedIn. I want to connect. And then, boom, 30 seconds later, you get a canned five page, five page script. Sure. 
and 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 I'm thinking, does that stuff work? I mean, I don't. It can't for me. It can't work. It's kind of like meeting a girl the first time for the first date and say, "All right, let's go get married." It's like, yeah, slow yeah. down. You know? Yeah, let's talk about that because this is the big elephant in the room, right? And and listen, you know, you and I both know we've done enough cold calling, we've heard enough no's to know that sales can be just a volume game. And I'm going to tell you guys this: if you're looking for transactions on LinkedIn, they're there; you can find them. But if you're also looking for sustainable relationships to build long-term strategic partnerships, relationships that could last well into the end of your career. They're also there. You just have to tackle them and you have to decide which person am I going to be? Am I in it for transactions or am I in this for relationships? So if you folks do what Richard said and you you try to go for dessert before you even get to the dang appetizer, you're going to have a lot of bad dates. <laughs> you know, you're going to have a lot of people that probably unconnect with you or that might block you or that may call you out, frankly. And so when you start a relationship with someone in the DMs, it should be predicated on building a relationship. And so if you want feedback, what would I do if, if you know we were connected? It would be something like, hey, thanks so much for connecting. Let me know if there's any way I can add value to you. Have a great week, right? Because that's what a first connection was. Just imagine, Richard, if we first met and this was it. Hey, would you like to buy my product or services? Like, just imagine we're in real life and that's what I sounded like. That's what you sound like on LinkedIn when you go and cold DM people. Now, uh, uh, I do. Now, I will say that I have cold DM people and I probably cold DM you. And I probably and I and and I always say, you know, I love what you're doing. Um, keep on doing a great job. And that's it. I'm sure. not sell anything. I'm not trying to buy anything. Big difference I just want to let you know that, you know, you're doing a great job. I'm, I'm watching what you're doing and I'm trying to build a relationship slowly. You know, sure. I believe in generational relationships. Yep. Love I, that's what that's what I believe in. And like anybody that I've ever had on the show. Now I have, you know, like generational relationships with them. I know their family. I, I see the pictures of their kids because yep. not only do I connect with them on on here, but I collect with connect with them on Facebook and other parts. So, yep. you know, trying to build that symbiotic. It's kind of like building a community and building yeah, 100%. So now, okay, you have a podcast. Now, for me, when I first started, I was afraid to say, hey, Jordan, um, I would love to have you come on my show. I love everything you're doing. Because I was going about it the wrong way. I would be like, hey, bro, you know, I, I have the number eight veteran podcast. You know, why don't yep. you come on? And people were like, who is this? Who's this <laughs> asshole? But now if I see, you know, for like you, I'd be like, hey, Jordan, I would love to have you come on because I would love to promote what you're doing. I try to add more value than I take. Yeah. So talk to us about adding value when you're trying to get guests. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think you kind of hit it on the head and I tell this to clients all the time. I said, if you're not adding value, you're subtracting, right? If you're not adding value to somebody, you might be taking away. So how do we do that strategically with podcasts? And I remember the early days, man, I remember being afraid to go after a guest because I put them on this pedestal of like, they're better than me. They've got um, you know, these things that I want. And I remember putting people up and really what broke the ice for me is when I reached out to Heather Monahan, 
And, um, you know, she was somebody I really looked up to. I've been listening to her podcast, you know, her book, Confidence Creator, just her, her story, watching her TED Talk. It was like, man, if I could just get this story out to my audience, how many people, you know, could it impact? So I remember mustering up the courage to cold DM her on LinkedIn and just say, hey, I'm a big fan. I've seen this. And then and then I it was kind of crickets. And so I was like, yep, yeah, this is pretty standard. I didn't think she was going to reply. And then she replied and then she ended up coming on the show. And, and man, that one conversation really sparked, you know, me accelerating leaving corporate America. You know, so I tell people all the time, like you are one conversation away. So don't ever let your fear dictate whether you're going to reach out to somebody or not, because you have no clue. They may have, you know, feedback for you. They may have a message. They may have something that could spark something in you, or they could just end up being like you said, Richard, that generational friend uh, that, you know, leads to uh, an amazing partnership or relationship down the road. Now talk about, you know, cause I, I know we said we're on a, on a time limit. So yep. I just want to get the most value for the audience as we can. You know, for me, I love interviewing people. Um, they call me the GI Joe Rogan or the male Oprah, because I like to talk about things that most people don't ask about, you know, um, like I had Mr. Sims on and he's like, yeah, I know you're going to ask me about my time with um, Elton John. I'm like, not really. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you, but I am going to ask you about the time that you were a 17 year old bricklayer yep. and you were homeless and yep. but you were dating your wife at that time. He's like, wow, nobody ever asked me that question. So yep. talk to us about, you know, how you can differentiate yourself from all the other shows out there. Yeah, no, I love the way that you're doing that. And I think you're very similar to me, Richard, where it's very instinctive and it's intuitive, but uh, the foundation is based on active listening. And so what I, what do I mean by that? Well, it's, it's not just listening to hear, but actually listening to understand with the hopes that you can extract something to bring back to that person. And so I, that's how I actually do it. Cause I'm very similar to you. I don't have a, I've never had a script. Uh, in fact, I hate scripts. Like people tell me, Hey do And I'm like, that's not how I learn. I can't, if I had a script, I'd, it would almost, be like a crutch or a paralyzation to me. And so for me, if you are intently listening, usually something that someone tells you can spark your next question to what you want to ask. And so that's, you know, uh, the way that I do it, but everybody is different. We all, you know, some, some of us are, uh, you know, kinesthetic learners. Some of us are, you know, we learn based on auditory. Some of us are, are visual. So you just have to figure out you know, understand what your style is, your communication style, your preparation style, and then double down on what works for you. Okay. So last couple of minutes that we have, where do you see the future of business? I see the future of business in this little box right here. Um, I see the future um, podcasting, I think is really taking off. And, and I think it's going to get even more popular because, you know, when you're working out, whenever you, it's hard to watch YouTube when you're on a treadmill or when you're running outside. So a lot of people love video, but I think audio still has a place. That's why I yeah. love Clubhouse. I'm a big Clubhouse guy. So what do you think is the future of podcasting and business? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, th I think we're seeing some, some early signs of it with what we're seeing in the VR space. You know, I, I'm, I'm picturing not too long from now, you know, the, the concerts and the conferences that we're going to, 
on a daily basis in person, we'll probably be doing some of those things in VR. And, you know, just think about the capabilities that you would have in, you know, let's say you have a building and in that building, you've got the venue, but and then you've got other places you can access, right? You have to, there's a digital currency you need to be able to actually meet backstage with these creators or these artists and things like that. So I think that we're going to see a bigger shift into that space over time. And the other thing is, you know, there's, there's been a big push over the last probably three or four years in smart devices. And I think that's going to continue to rise. I don't think we're too far away from walking into our house. Like we used to see on the Jetsons and saying, Hey, uh, pick up the, the next line for my meeting. And we're just going to be talking to someone on our wall where there's a camera on our wall and we're in, we can have four people on that screen. Like, I don't think we're far away from those times. And I'm excited about that shift and, you know, what it's going to do for, from like an emission standpoint, you know, as we invest more into things like solar and, and things like digital spaces where we don't maybe have to pollute the air by having to get on a plane to go travel to meet somebody, we can literally meet from the comfort of our homes, like you said. I love it. So last two questions. How do we find you? How do we support your mission? Where do we find your podcast? How can we get Jordan in our lives? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate Again, thanks so much, Richard, for the opportunity. Anytime I can come on and share and hopefully inspire people to be different or do something different, man, that's that's my ultimate goal. And so best place to find the show, it's byotpodcast.com. You'll be able to find you know past episodes, future episodes, subscribe to our newsletter, check out some videos, learn more about my company. Uh, and and company-wide, it's, it's blazeyourowntrailconsulting.com. Uh, you can check out some of the services we do. We've got a 12-week coaching program that helps take you from optimizing to monetizing on LinkedIn. And what I'd love to do, Richard, for your audience here, the, they just DM me either on LinkedIn, on TikTok, or on Instagram, okay? The word vertical. If you DM me the word vertical, I will give you $500 off my 12-week course. So uh, I'll leave that active for, for 48 hours if that's okay with you, Richard. Um, so just DM me the word vertical. You get 500 bucks off that 12-week course. And um, and again, thank you so much, Richard, for the time. Now, I got, I'm got i a closet Trailblazers fan, just so you know. I've Love been it. Following, I've been following them since way back. Oh, yes. You so. remember my uh, good guy here, Clyde the Drexler then, right? You, you got to know Clyde the Glide. Yeah, man. That was a you know guy that I looked up to a lot as a kid until he left to Houston. You know, yeah, you guys had some high quality teams. A lot of people we didn't even Scotty Pippen play for the Trailblazers. Yeah, back in 0203. Yeah, I got to see him play. It was at a few of those games, and yeah, those are some good times, man. I, you know, it's sad to look back and realize how close we were on a number of occasions, but you got to support your teams. You know, I've been a diehard Blazer fan ever since. You know, back in the in the you know '80s, so you, I'm I'm one of those loyal fans that no matter where I live in the country, I'm always supporting the hometown team. I love it. So, last question I have, um, you know, we live in a crazy world. We still live in a COVID world. No matter where you live, you know, I'm, I had on I had the pleasure of having one of the Iron Chefs on uh, last week. Awesome. Man. He was talking about how the food industry has been hit so hard that over a hundred thousand restaurants have closed in the United States. Wow. So there's a lot of parents out there that are driving Uber DoorDash just to put food on the table. Yeah. So if I ask the average American to do something in seven days, they're pretty much never going to get to it. But if somebody's listening to this and 
I ask them or we ask them to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So if somebody's struggling with their business, somebody's struggling with their podcast, uh, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get some clarity? Oh, man. Yeah. So so I've got two things. Is that, is that OK? We have time for two. Yeah, so, it's, it's your time. The first thing is, is I would write this quote down and then read it anytime you get into that place where you're feeling like you can't get ahead. So write this down. And I wrote this quote in 2019. It helped me tremendously in 2020, knowing what, what that year was like. And it's still adding value to people today. And what the quote says is that the struggle might be real, but the good news is that every struggle has a free gift called a lesson. So hopefully that adds value to your audience. The second thing I would say is grab a sheet of note uh, paper out, grab a, a notepad and grab a pen and draw a single vertical line down the middle. And I want you on the left side to write down every single thing and don't discount anything that you're grateful for. Okay. Literally I'm air, water, I've got clothes, I've got food, I've got pictures of, you know, whatever that is. Okay. And then I want on the other side of the sheet, write down what your goals are, what your dreams are, what you aspire to have. And one thing that you're going to notice if you make this a daily practice is that you're going to start to see some of the things that you are grateful for and some of the things that you want, that list is actually going to start filling up and you're going to realize that you're, you've got a lot more to be grateful for. So hopefully those two things add value to everybody. I love it. And lo like, like I, I say all the time, gratitude and depression can't live in the same space. hundred percent. All right, guys. So um, I want to thank our sponsors. Like I said, if you guys want, if you guys want this coffee, you got to, got to sign up for it. We're giving it away $30 value. And then you'll also become a member of our uh, coffee club. And then I want to thank our, our sponsor. Um, if you guys, like I said, if you like your clean, your skin, nice and clean and not leaving a film on it, definitely check out Maxwell soaps because they're actually helping the world clean up the world a little bit at a time. Jordan, I want to say thank you, brother. Um, I'm so grateful for you. And hopefully our relationship can just begin today. 100%. Hey, thanks so much for the opportunity. All right, brother. Hey, guys, remember vertical momentum. The only way to go is but up. All right, guys, I'll catch you on the flip. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.